So as you heard from Julia Ward Howe's Mother's Day proclamation that you read so beautifully, Mother's Day started as a revolution against war, as a call to action for women to leave their homes and their work tables and come gather together for counsel. And I have a question. How did the patriarchy out there and in here get it turned around so quickly so that instead of taking counsel together, we are all separated at brunch, um, getting flowers and cards with pastel colors and messages, and diamond stores are having sales. It's crazy. I, it's crazy. I don't know how that happened, and, I, and I'll preach about that at some point when I find out the answer. So I told you I would talk about things my mother taught me, and I'm going to, but then I'm going to talk about the mothering that we all do, whether we're, uh, whether we have had children to raise or not, or whether we are male or female or all the things in between, or whether we, um, no matter what situation we're in, there is good mothering we can do, and the world needs us to do it. Um, not everybody had a good mother. Mother's Day is kind of a fire swamp of uh, perils. And um, some people just had really bad mothers because people can be sociopaths and also fertile. And um, <laughs> But most of us had, you know, pretty good mothers somewhere on the scale. Um, I posted on my Facebook page, what was something your mother always used to say? I'm looking around for children. Um, what was something your mother always used to say? Uh, and there were many, I mean, like 400 people responded with, you know, if your face is going to get stuck that way or uh, wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. I mean, things, you know, everybody says, but some people's mothers said things like, no one will ever love you and you'll never amount to anything. <sighs> um, we were doing that exercise in another church I served. The DRE put up a, director of religious education, sorry, put up a whiteboard and with a, what, what was something your mother always said? And we were writing down things like, you know, put your shoulders back, get your hair out of your face, things that mothers say. And this one guy came by and he goes, ooh, 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 uh, write down, don't make mommy wish she'd had an abortion. And we were like, oh, my God. He's like, what, your mothers didn't say that? <laughs> so anyway, some people had lovely mothers, some people had not so lovely mothers, but everybody uh, kind of understands what good mothering, you have a sense of what good mothering is. Um, and all of us can do it and can add it to the world, I believe. Now, I'm going to tell you about my mother. She was... Uh, she grew up in, in India, in the part of India that's now Pakistan, near Lahore. And uh, she kind of ran wild in the streets. And she loved the child-raising lessons that she felt she got from the village folks that she was running around with. And so she had unusual uh, ideas, like, all children should be ignored until they're five. 
they shouldn't have chores. They should just have fun, which was great for us. And, um, and she had... Uh, she had an odd idea of what, um, how spicy food should be. And she would sit at a restaurant and just eat horseradish right out of the, um, horseradish dispenser. Cause I think she just killed all her taste buds, but, uh, she and her, her siblings used to at family dinners, they would, um, they would all sneak and put more curry in the pot. So by the time it was finished, everybody had sneaked a bunch of curry and it was, it was powerful. Um, so anyway, she, and she also, I don't know if this is something she brought from the village in India or if it was just her, um, but she, she didn't, she thought Americans were too clean obsessed. And if something fell on the floor, she would pick it up and go, immunities, give it to us. And she wouldn't have Lysol in the house. She said, that, that, that'll make you sick. It'll, it'll hurt your immunities. And actually, science is figuring that out now. And there were spiders uh, weaving their webs inside the windows <clears throat> in the north. Most of you know you have storm windows and then your window windows, and there's space between. And uh, my dad would, would come home and say, Catherine, there are spiders having babies in the window. And she would say, Donald, it's science. She wanted me to be a lady, but uh, not too much of one, but pretty much of one. She didn't like, uh, she didn't want me to become one of those angry women. And when I was learning to drive, she said, you should turn the steering wheel like a lady. And I was like, what's that? And she was like this. (laughs) Which she never did. I don't know what was in her head. She won when she took us camping all the time and uh, mountain hiking. And uh, my sister and I got to go camping with her for six weeks every summer. She taught second grade, so she was finished in the summers. And we would take a red eye flight over to Scandinavia or um, Europe or uh, Italy or, I mean, I know Italy's in Europe, but, um, or drive to California in this Westphalia uh, camper we named Vernon. And my sister would get to have a friend one summer, and I would get to have a friend the other summer. And so my mother drove three teenage girls around for six weeks every single summer, and she thought it was fun. And uh, she would win all the belching contests around the campfire. But I, I never heard her even burp a little bit when we weren't camping. And she had a huge sneeze, though. And she would sneeze, and we'd look at her, and she'd say, I know, I wish I could sneeze like a lady, like... She never could. She, um, she taught second grade, as I said, and so she was always in second grade, really. Uh, she loved elephant jokes and really thought they were funny. And when we were camping, she would give out the plates, and she would name the colors as she was giving out the plates. She would be like, red, green, purple. And we'd be like, Ma, we're 17. We know our colors. <laughs> she taught second grade in a wealthy suburb of Philadelphia along the main line called Gladwin. And 
Uh, one year, she had a baseball player named Pete Rose as kids. And um, he gave her, or they gave her, a bottle of joy perfume for Christmas. And uh, at that time, it was $125 an ounce or something like that. And she put it on her bureau and told us how much it was. And we just looked at it in awe. It was like this guest in our house that was sort of too good for us. And my mother always wore sensible clothes, sensible shoes. You know, teaching second grade, you don't want to wear dry clean only things. And she was saving it for a special occasion. But she never, never opened it. And... It disappeared. It just gradually evaporated. And so from that I learned, don't put off splashing yourself with joy for a special occasion. In the midst of the struggle, splash yourself with joy. When you're politically distressed, splash yourself with joy. When you're working for justice, Splash yourself with joy when it's ordinary time or before you lose the weight or before you get your muscle definition. Splash yourself with joy. Don't wait or you might miss it. She taught me to um, (laughs) just throw your shoulders back and smile. That's what we were supposed to do. And so she did that when she found a lump in her breast. She threw her shoulders back and smiled and prayed for a year before she went to the doctor. And so she died when she was 49 of breast cancer. And from that I learned, pray and go to the doctor. (laughs) Now as a mother, I was fabulous, of course, (laughs) of course. (laughs) My sons are... 30 and 28 now. And um, I asked them, what was something I always used to say? And they were very kind. They were like, Mom, we can't remember anything. Um. (laughs) My older son said, he wrote phonetically, de-goose, de-boose. I won't spell it for you because it won't be funny. Um, and so I did used to always say, de gustibus non disputandum est, which means you, there's no accounting for taste. So all they do is go de gustibus, but they have no idea what it means. I have no idea what my mother's Urdu meant either. Um, she would, she would wash dishes at the sink and sing in Urdu, sing hymns or Punjabi. I don't know. She spoke a little of both, um, And we would invite the international students from seminary to come to our house for Thanksgiving. So we had um, a guy from Ethiopia who who was studying in Moscow. And he came to Princeton Seminary. And so he came to our house. And there was a guy from Pakistan who was studying. And he came to our house. And the Pakistani man just got tears in his eyes. He said, your mother has such an accent of the village. It just makes me homesick. While the, the Marxist was um, playing Monopoly, and <laughs> I think he was converted in one game. He was like, money, money, money. 
<laughs> but uh, I was a pretty good mother because I had two really good books. And one of them was called Children, the Challenge. And it was from the 40s. And um, it was by an Adlerian psychologist or by his, his nurse, really. Um, and... It was about how not to get in power struggles with your children. So you give them choices. You know, you go, it's bedtime. You want your yellow pajamas or your blue pajamas? Or it's bedtime. Do you want to go in 10 minutes or 20 minutes? Or um, we're in a restaurant. You may either be quiet in here or you may be noisy in the car. Um, So that worked pretty well. And... um, In the book, it said, you don't want to get into a power struggle with your kids because they're willing to go a lot lower than you are. (laughs) And so when my oldest was maybe four, he got into kind of punching and slapping. That was fun for him for a day or two. And um, the book said, if your kid gives you a punch, you say, oh, you want to play a punching game? And then you punch them back. Um... And I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do that. But he punched me pretty hard. And I went, oh, you want to play a punching game? And then I punched him. As You know, I didn't want to punch him hard. I just punched him a little. Um, And he flew backwards and landed on his bottom and looked surprised. And then he went, (laughs) and came back and punched me harder. I found out I wasn't willing to punch him hard enough to do what the book said to do. I was just like, okay, I give up, and I started laughing. And I I laughed with them too much. They would say, Mom, when you're punishing us, you shouldn't laugh. (laughs) Ruins it. Mostly I would just threaten to embarrass them. I would say, if you don't stop doing this, I'm going to take you to a restaurant and tell them it's your birthday. They're going to sing in front of the whole place. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. Until finally they were like, yeah, go ahead. Um, The second book that I really loved was called How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And it was a dog training book for German shepherds um, done by the monks of New Skeet. It's a really good dog training book. And my family, I mean, almost everybody used to be a German shepherd in their last life. So uh, I thought it would probably work. And it was wonderful for child raising because it said things like, decide what you want from your dog. And they said, we want our dogs to be good companions. And I thought, oh, I want my kids to be good companions. And that sounds like a good thing to train them for. And... They said, catch your dog doing something good rather than punish him for something bad. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. So I would go, oh, you were such good companions in church today. or You were such good companions at this meal. Um, And that seemed to work pretty well. And they also said bribing was okay, which I was relieved to hear. So (laughs) I thought, you know, out there in the world, I'm training them to be out there in the world. And out there in the world, if you behave badly, you either get fined or put in jail, right? Um, I was trying to edit that. I was going to go, uh-uh. I was editing. 
but thank you for saying what we were all thinking. <laughs> and um, so I gave them time out or find them. And the way I would find them is at the beginning of every week, they would get a big bag of nickels and like $5 worth. And I would say, this is your allowance, and I'm going to find you a nickel whenever you fight or don't pick up whatever I've asked you to pick up. And whatever nickels you have at the end of the week, you can keep. And then they graduated to quarters. And, um, and then they got along pretty well. I still needed them for long car trips. But my older one then said, you know, Mom, we haven't had a bag of quarters in a really long time. And I said, well, you're getting along really well. I, I hadn't even thought of it. And he's like, okay, let me get this straight. <laughs> if we behave well, we don't get quarters. I'm like, oh, you got me. The quarters came back. This logic is also important in life. So I think we can all do good mother and we can catch people doing things well and praise them and thank them. We can... <clears throat> focus on their strengths and finest qualities and encourage them to live into those. We can be good companions. We can tell the truth with love. We can encourage people. I want to tell you a final story about someone who mothered me when my mother was very sick. I had a roommate named Liz who had the voice of an angel, and she could play the guitar and we were um, down in North Carolina. My mother was in Philadelphia, and she had just gone back into the hospital again. And I was crying, and Liz said, what can I do? And I said, just sing me to sleep. And so she sat on her bed, and I lay on my bed, and she played her guitar and sang to me till I fell asleep. And it was something I remember to this day, the kindness and motherliness of that. So, whether we're actual biological mothers or adoptive mothers, whether we're fathers or aunts or uncles or sisters or brothers, friends, we can do some good mothering to this world. This, everybody in the world has a broken heart. And if you just remember that, you'll speak more appropriately to people and mother them better.